in Houston. I'm John Herter. Tuesday, sixth day in April. Great as always to have you along, everybody. In a nutshell, from the experts, it's a compressed virtual networking accelerator, helping people across industries connect very quickly in a brief, moderated, interactive show format. It's like a TED Talk with interactive discussion. So what's in it for you? The FTE promise, if all goes well, your curiosity spark, new ideas come to light, and you may have helped yourself or someone else solve a problem, make a connection, reach that opportunity faster. Networking has never been more important to your business. So folks, help me welcome the FTE guest expert today, Dr. Andreas Matzakos. Extensive research, process, reactor, concept engineering, and leadership experience, spanning a 30-year career at Shell, where he's currently serving as a project leader. His contributions are many, including eight granted patents, numerous articles, papers, conference presentations, and most importantly, perhaps, a loving family, wife, two daughters. He enjoys traveling, bicycling, swimming, and advocating renewable energy, as well as attending church services. Andreas is a scholar, a gentleman, and tons of fun. So, you know, be sure and connect with him on LinkedIn or outside of this meeting. So folks, I'll let you know that the views and information shared by Andreas represent his own opinion and not that of his employers. Hey, Andreas, great to see you, man. And so why don't you just set the scene for us and let's get this thing rolling. All right, thank you very much, John. And I, I hope you are able to, first of all, hear me. <clears throat> Second, see my main screen with a, a slideshow of my presentation. Looking good. Okay, wonderful. First of all, thank you everyone for uh, for joining us today. And as you noticed, one of my hobbies is actually uh, advocating and, and uh, interacting with people about uh, re renewable energy, uh, energy and, and the energy transition. So what a great opportunity to come and talk about it. And uh, of course, bring my own uh, humble uh, perspective and experience. Uh, first of all, I would like to say that uh, this is a very short talk. It's not more about what I say, but it's also how we all talk to each other, how we listen to each other, and how we come up with new ideas. So if I was going to give you the speech in one minute, I would say, first of all, I'm here to let you know how <clears throat> feasible and how affordable it was for us to uh, uh, start a journey on decarbonizing our, our home and, and life as homeowners and the, especially the availability of many help people around you to, to help you and educate you that. How I would like you to feel is that empowered <clears throat> and, and, and uh, comfortable enough to embark on that journey if you haven't done already, and certainly reach out. Reach out because there are many people who can really do that, some of them in that call. And uh, what you uh, would love to, to see you do is, of course, Continue, uh, give us your ideas, first of all, and, and your uh, experiences the best we can today. Continue the conversation, of course, after the meeting, like we have a, a Slack channel, we can really uh, exchange more details. And certainly I, I hope that will also uh, uh, arm you with conviction and knowledge to be advocates and spokesmen in your workplace, in your community, in your faith, faith family. That's the nutshell, but we can go now to the to the next slide. And and besides, uh, of course, as we uh, proceed to the next slide, I wanted to uh, welcome, of course, some of my uh, 
colleagues, neighbors, and uh, vendor uh, contacts who actually helped me in that journey I'm going to talk to you about. So thanks for joining. So as we start, of course, uh, with the idea of how can an individual or a family decarbonize to help their, uh, their planet, but help their community, help themselves. Uh, there's an overwhelming challenge. Uh, how can we do it? And of course, in the Western world, we have a little bit of a different uh, market, different infrastructure, different uh, offerings. That's why I focused it here. Uh, there's, a, of course, a very big risk about new products, new technologies, high risk on investment. Are you going to really get the right thing? Is it going to break down right away? Is it going to work? Is it going to do what you promised to? So I think that's the challenge we went through and we did a lot of research to, to overcome that, but it was not uh, uh, alone. We, we really talked to other people who have done it. So helping. In the, in the process of doing that, of course, we realize actually there is already, the wheels are in, in motion. There are emerging trends that really makes us both excited and also energized to, to really join in. One, of course, is that what I'm talking to you about today, so no, no more detail on that, but I see, I see things are getting even larger in scale. I was reading not just not a month or two ago, actually, uh, something that uh, Shell, with their uh, preferred vendors and their own products, is doing with the master plan development community in Whisper Valley, Austin, and you can use the link and find out. It's called the Virtual Power Plant, and we can talk about it later on what it is and uh, what it does, but mainly is, is the whole community producing its own power. They are prosumers, they're sharing with each other, and the utility only knows it in one connection point, may not even provide power very often to them. And they also minimize their total use by better efficiency. Uh, we uh, went through Uri, the, the, one, the, the horrendous winter storm that uh, James, of course, uh, has talked to us in his uh, LinkedIn posts and also presentations, but I also had an article in the title slide talk about it. We lost power and, and we, not only for an hour, not only for two, not for a family or, or, or 10, we're talking about millions of people. So therefore we realize our greed needs more resilience, uh, resiliency. And one of the things that the, the utility itself is doing, it's adding actually batteries to the grid to make it more stable, to make it more self-sufficient. And that's one article I found that you probably saw on the pre-read. And last is of course, how can we, uh, what we see is that partnering between utilities and consumers, which are now prosumers, of course, too. Eh? They have electric cars, they have a solar, they can store, they can give back. So that's called vehicle to grid, generation one or generation two. And, and I can, we can go to the details later on what the difference is, but it's more like out, I'll give you energy when you need it, you give me energy when I need it, and we all help each other. And that's really what a society should be built on. Uh, first, first thing, of course, is what is the purpose of decarbonizing? And the first, uh, of course, a step on that, at least for the investment part, it was installing, installing solar photovoltaic panels in our home. So I was trying to make my own list, but I didn't have to because uh, I had it in my mind. But a recent article based on academic research says they really did uh, quite a bit of uh, sociological, economic, and, uh, and uh, scientific studies. And they said it has a multitude, a big spectrum of benefits from, of course, maintenance and operation costs for the utility because it has less, power, less uh, capacity and less uh, uh, plants operating. Uh, spending less fuel, of course, having less idle 
capacity, not building new plants just to address a peak that happens maybe 5% of the time. You don't need that. A plant that only runs 5% of the year, that's an awful investment. And of course, the, the bigger one that I care about is the, the health impacts for our community. And uh, less pollution, less uh, uh, respiratory illnesses and ailments, less climate change, uh, a lot of uh, all these benefits. So uh, I, as a one, uh, also another trivia I would like to share with you is essentially says that uh, today, transportation and electricity alone constitute 60% of the domestic energy consumption. So it's not a small lever, it's a big lever. And, and of course, electricity, it's also between industry and, and, and residential, but we are a big part of it. And therefore we can really play a role on that. And that's where the journey starts. And that's probably the, the mainstay of my presentation. Uh, before I, I go through the journey, I want to make a, a few comments. First of all, I would say this journey is personal for me and my family. And I want to really thank them for riding with me on this. Sometimes I had to advocate, somehow, sometimes I had to inquire and listen and not push too hard or, they, they, or listen to their pushing. But it is a family affair. Don't take it as your own personal challenge, okay? The family has to be on board. Uh, the second thing is every family has their own specific needs. So your journey may be a little bit different, but these are components you can choose on your own. So here's, uh, therefore, uh, the, the journey as it starts, where we certainly hope, hope we all agree that uh, renewable energy does uh, really uh, solve the a lot of environmental problems. It's uh, also uh, more sustainable for the longer run. So I was talking with John yesterday. You can solve your renewable energy needs with one phone call. And you know who to call because you go power to choose and you're going to find plans from many uh, providers you buy that. So I thought that was a, a trouble fee. Uh, the prices may vary, but I think this is very competitive with other non-renewable non plans. Of course, then you have to start doing a little bit more homework. And as I say epigrammatically, the cleanest energy to use, to, to, to find, is the one you don't use. Essentially, eliminating one kilowatt hour from your consumption is much better than cleaning up one kilowatt hour of your consumption. So therefore, weatherizing homes buying energy efficient devices and installing smart devices to turn on and off things when you don't need them, when you're not at home, is the, the best thing we can do. And there's plenty of technology and, and uh, devices out there to, to do it for us. And uh, as a aside here, as part of our later of the journey, on, as part of our co-op, where we were working with some of you in the, in the call to bring renewable energy to Lake Olympia in Missouri City, we realized people actually are on the beginning of the journey. So they decided to put their investment in weatherizing your, their homes, not putting PV. That may come five or 10 years later. And that's why it's important. Do it as a first step. Otherwise, you have to buy it twice a big, as big of a PV system. Nevertheless, we're coming now to the big uh, investments. Buying solar photovoltaics is, is a big choice. There are so many choices, so many configurations, so many designs. And uh, I, I can uh, say that uh, John Miggis is on the line. He was very kind to, to me. We, we went through a lot of discussions to educate me first before he sells to me. 
And of course, he's in a different company now and everything. But back then in 2015, uh, that was uh, the, the year that the Paris Accord was signed. I had already decided to and signed the contract with John before the Paris Accord. So I thought I, I was in tune with the times. And uh, of course, uh, never too late to start now. Uh, second thing is, uh, of course, there are co-ops going on around town right now. Like the, we have the, <clears throat> the college station, we have the East Houston, we have Plano, and, and so on and so forth. And Dory Wolf, who's on the line, uh, will tell us the latest if, if there's time at uh, Q&A. Uh, so the, what does the co-op do? It helps you buy with a, with a massive uh, collective power. Of course, the other co-ops, they're also producing co-ops. We haven't, we haven't pursued yet, but that's another thing. Uh, okay, so the other thing we did, we went from the internal combustion engine, one of the two vehicles we have, we, we bought a hybrid plug-in vehicle, which means we can use renewable electricity to uh, run our car and transportation. And therefore the gasoline and the emissions that come from that gasoline was eliminated. And that's certainly uh, something that is, as you hear a lot in the news today, of course, I can imagine. Uh, after Harvey, we realized actually we had one thing in our solar system that we couldn't use. We could not run our solar system while the power was down during Harvey and many other place, times. And that was so unfortunate, but I can understand it's safety regulations and it has to be like that. But you can overcome it by installing a home battery storage system, which isolates you from the grid when the power goes down and therefore can store the solar energy and use it at night when you don't have solar. And I have to say, we're very thankful we had it during storm Uri when the power went out for, for three hours for us. Many people, they needed much more, of course, but even those three hours was priceless. So <clears throat> finally, one thing I did recently in preparation for buying my bigger electric battery vehicle, we stole a solar charging station. So Actually, we can probably run a couple of automations here. This is a, my plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, which is a, a Volt. This is our Tesla Powerwall battery, but there are other, other brands. That's not the only one. Here's our uh, charge point uh, electric charge station, which uses 220 volts, uh, really about six or seven amps. Therefore, it can really charge a large range electric vehicle overnight or take you around town with, with one hour of charging alone from empty. So that's really, that's what okay. you find in the malls. I've got a question that came in from Ricky in terms yeah. of battery systems. He said, hey, uh, what about this uh, quantum space solid state battery, 50% density improvement that Volkswagen is interested in or invested in? First of all, yes, all of the above. There is a very active research in the area of batteries. This is a, a certainly, of course, still in the technology development stage. We'd love to see it. And I'm sure Mr. Musk and his uh, pursuers, uh, pursuers will love to uh, buy it and put it like Volkswagen, of course. So I think certainly weight, capacity, energy capacity are all very important for onboard on storage and even stationary. All right, exactly. so moving right along to uh, you got a couple of minutes left. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, I'll say the last thing that I would like to uh, highlight in my animation, 
is something that uh, really I thought after I learned, and so just like I'm talking today, we 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 connected with the Solar United Neighbors and said maybe some other people in Lake Olympia and widely in Missouri would like to do it. And here's the Solar Coop. I won't go to detail. I explained a little bit earlier, but that's my last, my latest uh, point. And there's an article actually that was uh, linked that uh, I gave as an interview. So last slide, and then we can open the floor. Does this thing work? Okay, so in this graph, I say, yes, it works. Year after year, it does not break down. It does not promise less than it did. John, you, you are you know, uh, verified and uh, stand, stand honest <laughs> for what you predicted for me. Okay, so of course, as you see, the, the, the energy consumption increases because of the addition of EV. These things happen around 2000, beginning of 2016. So you can see the, the graph and understand steady and reliable and uh, of course, the more EVs you buy, the, the numbers will go up. So I would uh, therefore close it here and essentially say that uh, the, the journey is, is uh, gradual and you don't have to rush it, but one step at a time and ask for, for reach out and ask for help. Thank you very much, Andreas. And like you said, go back to that, uh, the journey slide. Yeah. I mean, today the beginning and uh, it's the beginning of um, uh, sharing this with other people. And if they're interested, we're going to continue on this journey through FTE because it is that important. It's, uh, you know, some people are concerned about uh, the, the CO2 footprint. Some are concerned about the pocketbook. Most of us are concerned about both. So this is really an excellent way to access a lot of that. So questions. We had a couple battery questions, one from Hani and one from Ricky. So Hani says, hey, thanks, Andreas. Uh, any reliability and or safety issues with batteries that we should be aware of? Okay, I will answer that. Thank you, honey. Uh, I'm going to ask John, do you want me to turn off the slides or keep them on? Turn them off. Turn them on. Let's do don't... that. Yeah, I think that we don't need them anymore. That's good. We can see each other. So, mm -hmm. honey, uh, certainly uh, batteries have, uh, of course, stored energy. And especially lithium batteries have uh, uh, lithium ions, which if... Uh, cracked and exposed to air, which is not by the design, could really add to oxidation and uh, heat release. Reported fires, of course, uh, from cars catching a fire. So this should not be taken lightly. The rate of, of accidents and fires, of course, is very uh, mi minor. And uh, it's, it's all constantly uh, improved. Uh, there are regulations, of course, like for instance, when they stole my battery, they have to say, you need to have so much clearance from the gas line, things like that. Right. So you don't have a, a compounding uh, event if there is a, a spark or smoke or whatever. Okay, so we're gonna move on from that. And then you've got Ricky who says, oh, by the way, Tesla stopped selling their battery except to those that buy their solar roof. So, I mean, the competitive landscape keeps changing, right? I think the reason is, of course, because there is a, a huge demand because of worry and, and, and Tesla cannot keep up. So therefore they have to pick the most profitable offerings. They're taking advantage of their high demand and they want to be, put the margin. When I bought it, they did not ask me that. I made it an add-on. I suspect maybe in one year, they will not demand that anymore because they, their capacity will keep, keep up with it. Right. So we've got other questions coming in. One from Henning is like, okay, so if you'd like to power your home for normal consumption 24 hours, how many Tesla batteries do you need and what's the cost of that? So we'll, we'll be rolling into more of the economics here, but that's 
Yeah, mm -hmm. of course, every all the economics are available, at least the cost basis is available in the Tesla website. I would say order of magnitude per, per one battery, which is about 13 kilowatt hours, the cost is about $10,000 in that order of magnitude. Uh, bigger homes, bigger consumption, more than those, those uh, uh, 12 or 13 kilowatt hours, you're going to have to buy multiples. This is modular. That's a nice thing. You Maybe you buy one now and you make sure it, you see if it works. If, you, if it doesn't work and you need more needs, you add one later or you decide to up, up front. Hey, so uh, we've got several in the economics. We'll we're going to obviously continue to roll through that. But one of them uh, from Wade was like, oh, no, sorry, not Wade. Where is it? Uh, homeowners associations. So in the United States and, and other places, uh, you have pretty strict regulations on what you can and can't do in your neighborhood. So what do you know about deed restrictions from the HOA? That's from Tom Riddle. I know, yeah, I, I know certainly... Uh, there is a, a, a uniform law from the Texas legislature that says no homeowners association can block a homeowner from installing solar photovoltaic panels on their home. The only thing they can do, they can negotiate on the location and the look of the panels. Okay. All right. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're yeah. So I'm sorry, uh, what we're saying is you got, you do need to pay attention. It'll differ, right? So yeah. like anybody else, they're following models that they're finding. And uh, so you've got to go that. And then I'll notice that James Cargas has also put forward uh, some information. You guys can see it in the chat uh, that talks about, at least from a Texas standpoint, on, on what that is. Uh, you see uh, Chris Angelides, he's like, hey, don't forget about uh, Sonnen. That's a company that offers batteries as yes. well. So they're competitors. Yes. Um, Thanks, Chris, right. for the reminder. Zonen is a German company that was purchased by Shell. I gave actually a link to the pre-read where Zonen offers their first uh, affordable residential version. So that's why I said there are many, many vendors. Right. So, you know, I guess that's important. It's important to have a competitive landscape. We have... Uh, other questions around, uh, you know, what about payback period? Catherine asks, you know, on the system, how do you how do you measure it? Uh, and then, of course, Mike Kodorinsky says, hey, can I sell the uh, excess electricity that I generate back to the company? Um, but before we hit that, uh, because we'll go, uh, we'll continue with this. I'd like to stop right here for the FTE expert ask and give. So Andreas, you know, we do this every show and I know you've joined us several shows, but this is your chance, you know, to ask something from the group and then, you know, be willing to give something back, the ask and give. Yeah, of course, the, the three questions that we also shared with the uh, community here before the meeting is essentially, things are not rosy and fully uh, lined out. We have still uh, kinks on the road, uh, and we're not moving fast enough as an industry based on the promise, the economics and, and the environmental mandate that we all uh, recognize in terms of climate change and, and air, air pollution. So uh, the first question was, of course, is we need to make a value proposition. How can someone see this as an investment that it does not fade away 
It's an investment that goes in the bank. It sits there waiting for you when you want to cash it, but it gives dividends every day. That's my first ask. How, how, how do you really structure it? Is there a better way to, to offer batteries, or not batteries, photovoltaics and everything, to, to, to homeowners and you see the pull from the market to say, oh, that way I can justify it for my pocketbook. Instead of saying, oh my God, I threw away $20,000 and I'm never going to see them again. And what are you willing to give to the group? What am I willing to, to give to the group? Uh, I think I, I'm going to say mainly about uh, the, the economics, of course, of how we've done our uh, photovoltaic uh, uh, return on investment on a simple uh, fixed electricity price from here to, to the, the next 20, 25 years. 25 years is the lifetime of the panels and mm -hmm. not applying discount rate for our investment. We determined that it will be 12 years before the cash we put in the bank will actually be put out to us as dividend without having lost the cash, actually. The cash is still right. there. You can sell your home and get the cash back. Okay, so okay. that's 12 years to recover. And I'd add that obviously your give is, you know, you're sharing your experience, you're allowing other mm -hmm. people to contact you. So we're yeah. grateful for that. So I'm gonna take a minute to remind everybody today's show is brought to you by our underwriters. Interpoint, protecting what you care about most, people, profits, brand, and the environment. Unique Ventures, the energy hybrid technology accelerator with a unique approach to venture capital. Porter Hedges, attorneys at law, informed choice for complicated litigation in the energy business. And Alliance Benefit Group, building retirement plans for your business that work. Okay, so Andreas, let's roll on over. We, you know, thought about these questions for the group and uh, everybody you have seen those three questions but Gus could you drop them in uh, the chat box just to remind folks and um, we have you know about 30 minutes or so left to kind of walk through these but before we do we still have some I'd like to see if we can pick them through uh, we've got uh, a lot about return on investment which we'll address in that first question uh, how you get engaged, payback period. Uh, thank you, uh, James, for the information. Ricky talks again about PV software control systems, right? So then, you know, how, we all have meters, but they're not necessarily paying us. So how, you know, what, how do we get more control over that? Um, and then a question from Hani is, about, hey, are there aesthetically more appealing options? I find the rooftop panels, you know, kind of unsightly. Are there offerings that allow for smart management, such as you know optimal times to charge the battery, push back to the grid, and so on? Could you answer that one? Okay, yeah, that's plenty of questions. So you want me to answer the last one? Answer the last one. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, and I hope you keep it tally because I won't be able to remember all of them uh, in series. But uh, the latest one, first of all, about the aesthetics. Uh, the the one thing we did, we we actually used the black trim on our uh, solar panels. So at least they do not have this contrast between silver and, and black on our, on our roof. Therefore they blend better with the shingles. Uh, there's even more aesthetic options. We, one is we, we of course, the solar uh, tiles that uh, Tesla and the solar city offer, which cover the whole uh, roof from all directions. And they look pretty, uh, pretty appealing, uh, probably a little bit higher cost. But it, it accounts also for the cost of a roof installation. And the last one, if you have a big yard, 
you can hide them under your fence and put them on, on, the, on, the, on the ground, ground mount. And you can put many more that, like that. At the right orientation, you can even adjust the tilt as a, the day goes by, which is brilliant. Okay, so let's go ahead and open the floor. So first question for the group is how do we balance the higher upfront capital with the promise of long-term savings? Uh, that's a question we're all asking ourselves. I guess, you know, uh, we've got several people here. Does anybody want to jump in and kind of share how you've thought about it? Are you going to choose or should we just speak up? I'll speak up, please. All right. All right. So this is Dory Wolf with Solar United Neighbors. And, but I'm also a homeowner that has had solar for over 20 years on various homes. And uh, even if you don't have the cash in the bank and you're looking to take a loan uh, to invest, when you look through the numbers and say, okay, well, I look to see a 10 to 12 year to 15 year, depending on your situation payback, that's an investment that pays back. So it's, it's an improvement to your home. You don't have to pay a taxes on the improvement and yet you get your return on your investment. So if you have those funds, even if you're taking out a home equity loan, uh, it, it can make sense. So just looking at the numbers, that's how I do it. I say, oh, I'm buying my electricity upfront for the next 25 years. And after 10 years, it's free after 12, whatever your numbers are. Thanks, Dory. John, we're, yeah, I'm in the business. So we always tell people, this is money you're gonna spend. You're gonna spend it over the next 10 years. Spend it up front. You own the system. Your cost of energy never increases. And, you know, most people say payback. Well, what's the payback on a granite countertop? There is none. There's no payback on anything else. This is the one thing that does pay you back. And then when there's an outage and you don't have batteries, payback goes out the window because you're losing food. So Andreas is right on target here with it is money. It is painful to spend that. If you bought a car for $20,000 in, in 10 years, what's it worth? Two grand. You're giving it to your son to drive. In 10 years with the solar system, you have all your money back. And then you're living, you know, free. So I'm probably the wrong one to answer that question, but it, it's pretty simple calculation. No, thanks for that, John. And hey, hey everyone. So take a minute to introduce yourself and your business and go ahead whoever that was. Oh, John. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, this is James Cargis here. Uh, hey, Car hey, James, how are you? Great. I, um, I want to also point out something else, too. Everyone talks about payback in terms of the energy savings. Another part of the payback equation should be that it has increased the resale value of your home. True. And that's maybe a savings you don't realize until you go to sell your house. Um, but that is part of building equity. And I think that should be part of the formulation as well. I think there's a tremendous sense of pride too that you get when you walk out after a hard day's work and you look up on the roof and maybe you didn't accomplish much that day, but you know you made some from free energy. Isn't that right, Andreas? You you might you probably <laughs> never have a stressful don't, day. Don't tell my boss I didn't accomplish much on it for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but I, I, it's always good to look at, look out out the window. I, period. So. What's the impact in, you know, we live in Texas where we have hurricanes and all the, and if I put this solar panel on my roof 
and you know, a hurricane comes in and damages my roof. How's the, the solar panel? Do I still replace my roof and then I have to replace the solar panel? John and y'all, y'all in this business. So uh, this has always been my my question on curiosity. If I go to solar panel, the replacement, the life of a solar panel is how many years? You, you know, you say 12 years, but what's the, the, you know, when the solar panel, you know, it's like anything we buy, what's the, the, the appreciation of the, the amount of energy that it can provide us over a period of time? Good question. I mean, a hurricane is a different scenario. If your roof blows off, the panels are coming off. I, I can't fix that. But hail is a big question. A lot of people ask about hail. We did a, a, a retirement community with 26 duplexes. We put a real small 12 panels on each one. They got a hail storm. They got new roofs on every unit and only two panels were broken. So they're pretty sturdy. Uh, you get a 25 year guaranteed power output. It does decrease over time to 90% and then 80%. But there are panels that are 50 years old still producing, I think, from BP. So um, there, it's magic. It really is. It's pretty simple. So, so back, to, back to the money question. You know, can, can you guys share some insights on what the, uh, the return on investment break even point is? I know tech is changing and all that, but can you give a, a range or some kind of indicator there? We typically calculate at about two, $2.50 a watt, $2.50 a watt, which is considerably less than it was even three or four years ago, 10% return on investment and about a 10-year uh, payback. So and I'll after, just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll add in that it, it it's complicated in Texas, but it's highly dependent on how big your array is compared to your load. And so sometimes if you just are putting in a token load just to get your battery back up and that, and so we're not talking batteries when we talk payback, but that you're, it may make sense not to go with a net metering and keep your low rate. And so it's it's complicated, but at Solar United Neighbors, we have a way of helping you to determine which is your best plan and what is your payback. So we can help you with that specific question for your specific installation. Cool, thanks for that, Dory. So uh, speaking of plans, Andrea, shall we shift over? That's a good segue into, you know, how do we connect to the grid? What are utilities doing out there? Yeah, so for our case, I, I have to say when we did it in 2015, there was only one utility that was able to actually give us net metering arrangement, meaning whatever uh, energy we were giving back to them, they will credit our consumption for the same amount. Therefore, they were buying it from us at the same rate we were buying from them. And I think that's probably the first arrangement. And I've seen, uh, of course, other states use different arrangements where they don't get anything back or they get only the wholesale value, which is about half. Uh, so that was one thing that I, I would certainly like to see growing. And I don't know what the market stands today. Maybe people will tell us. The second thing I, I, I will see with the EV, I don't need to charge the EV during the day, especially if my PV is covering my whole home consumption. Uh, I usually charge at night and actually it helps the, the grid to, to, to use surplus energy. The, my current provider actually gives me power for free. You heard right, for free. 
I pay more for the day charge, which I don't use very much. So for me, it's a win-win. Cool. Um, any other experience out there? Ricky, I think um, uh, when we talked at the very beginning, you were saying something about uh, you've been, uh, you've had contracts with the state of Illinois in this case that have been uh, lucrative for you over time. I don't know, Ricky, you're still there. Anyway, if anybody else has other comments that uh, have to do with their experience with engaging utilities and plans and what's worked and what hasn't, it's a good time for it. Yeah, I uh, recovered quite a few on solar renewable energy credits the state of Illinois was issuing for five-year time periods and recovered $16,000 on one of my arrays and uh, around five or $6,000 on another array. But I look at the savings that you don't have to spend that second 10-year period on solar. You not only save the power bill money, but when we all earn money, we have to pay payroll taxes and income taxes and stuff. And you also save that money of all those taxes and fees to make the net money to make the payment you didn't have to make to the power bill for the second 10-year period. And my array is guaranteed to put out 80% at 25 years. And right now, I'm losing about a half a percent a year so far, I figure, what I'm losing in in production. Okay, thanks, Ricky. Appreciate that input. Any other comments before we? Sorry, go ahead. Is there somebody else? Uh, well, why don't we hit that last question? Uh, and we know this doesn't answer everything. The whole point is to kind of generate the interest and, and get this group moving. But how, how do we increase the availability of installers and products? Right? There's quite a few questions about batteries out there. We talked about EV and, and you've got to be able to charge those and, and solar. We heard from uh, Miggins and others on that. So, so what do we need to do to increase the availability or what do we see in terms of availability of installers and products? Anybody so if, I, if I may, Dory, uh, we just went out to bid on the Spring Branch Co-op and we had 10 installers uh, submitting bids. In the Plano Co-op, that Andreas mentioned they had, uh, I believe, 13 installers bidding. And and one of them, uh, one that didn't get to bid that would miss the opportunity. Anyway, so I think the demand is there, the installers are there. And the other thing is Tesla has a great brand and a great product, and they are not the only one. So just keep in mind that there are other options out there. We have an LG. Um, and, and the other piece that I'll just offer when you're thinking, uh, of sizing what size battery you need. If you choose to be off grid, like you're in a storm and not have your whole house operate as if you didn't have to think about it, you can do a smaller battery. You do a critical load you know, center where you choose what loads are gonna be powered by the battery during an outage. And now you've saved that $10,000 for that extra battery, right? You just do one battery. So there are ways to skin this cat to make it not quite as uh, expensive to invest in the battery storage. That's good. Supply chain constraints are always a problem whenever you're moving into a new market segment, right? And uh, installation is one part of that. Andreas, anything from your experience, the pains of, of uh, uh, supply chain constraints or anything like that? I, I have to say that uh, the, the PV market has really uh, blossomed in the last five years. So that's really uh, reflecting what Dory said. I, I see much more less uh, availability of electric vehicles 
in both brands, but dealerships. I have friends who wanted to buy an electric car. They went to the dealership and the dealer said, why do you need to buy an electric car? We offer, the, the, the dealership could sell them the brand, but they didn't want to sell it to them. That's one of them. Of course, that's maybe extreme, but I'm telling you, they're not trained, they're not capable. Uh, another one is about electricians who are specializing in, in uh, installing electric uh, vehicles charging stations. I went through that uh, last December. Not a, a very smooth experience. There was a website I could go and access from the, the original equipment manufacturer. They charged, They wanted to charge me twice or three times the market value of buying the electrician down the, the street. So, so Andreas, uh, an interesting comment from uh, Noah Kruger. He's like, hey, is there a good checklist out there you can share regarding what to look for when you're evaluating you know, something like this? And I'm, I'm sure as we follow up, you've got something, Dory, Megan, everybody, you know, we've got lots of different people. Uh, so that's a good follow-up for the group, I think. Yeah, there are a lot of how to do it yourself or, or whatever, how to educate yourself websites. That's what I use on the web uh, in 2015 and more recently, of course. But mm -hmm. nothing replaces talking to someone you trust. So we do have our Slack channel. We do have maybe friends who have already done it. These are more more intimate questions that really are more of the on the gray zone of what's right. the works and what doesn't work. Okay, hey, so you know, final thirty seconds, Andreas, before we close, your final thoughts. So the final thoughts is that uh, we need critical mass. I think that uh, the critical mass has not been reached. Let's talk to our. Uh, uh, families, our colleagues, our Facebook groups, which are very big, and, and really get the word out. Because otherwise, we will be sitting here five years from now and we'll say, oh, there are 10 more people who did the journey. Great. Let's clap about it. Right. But it's not what we're looking for. <laughs> right. Hey, Andreas, thank you very much. And obviously, this is a very important topic to everybody's pocketbook and the environment. That's why FT has decided to dedicate a special channel pilot this practical interactive working group. Um, here's the link, Gus, go ahead and drop the link uh, into the FD discussion group. It's, it's free. Uh, you'll find it a uh, hashtag Omer electrical prosumer is the name of it. You'll see it, it's easy. And uh, Andreas gratefully will drive the discussion uh, for the group and uh, continue, continue it on with you guys. So let's give it a try. And uh, as we drive this uh, offline, but also come back from time to time when, when the group thinks it's necessary. So how was the discussion and networking today? The FTE post-show notes will hit your email later today. So please take the 30-second survey and get the copy of today's attendee contact list. You also find links to our videos and podcasts from previous shows. FTE belongs to you. It's your community and networking platform. So don't forget to follow up Connect the dots with each other after this meeting. If you had a good experience, hey, share it. Build this community with others you want to network with. That's how it works. Uh, we're out of time, but be sure and join us for our next events. In two weeks on April 20th, we have a 45 minute live conversation with Catherine Nabukalu and Professor Reto Giri on the global charcoal footprint and why it matters. I'm telling you, it will make you think differently and it may change 
your behavior. So check it out. Sign up right now on our website, fte.network. Invite your friends. There's bonus time. So if you like to take another 15 minutes with Andreas, find out how to get involved. Make sure and accept the bonus room invitation that's popping up right now from Gus on your screen. Thanks once again, Dr. Andreas Matsakos, and all of you for making this the smartest 45 minutes of your day. Take care, and we'll see you in two weeks.